Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to New Jersey's Education Forum, which is NJSBA's blog talk radio show. And this is our first and initial talk radio show. My name is Ray Penny, member outreach coordinator for New Jersey School Board Association, and I will be your host of the show. The show is designed to engage educational and political leaders in a dialogue and discussion on some of the most current and relevant education issues in New Jersey. And we hope to bring those uh, issues to the school board members and others in the New Jersey education community. We hope this is not designed, however, to be a one-way communication vehicle. We hope some of you are able to call in. If you want to call in and participate and ask questions and comment, the phone number is 1-347-989-8904, which brings me to a few housekeeping items. First, at this time, we will not be using the chat room feature on the show. Second, if you do, if you do call, there is a delay in the web broadcast and the phone broadcast That's about, of about seven seconds, so you'll have to turn your web or your computer down. And finally, on my switchboard, I do not know the names of the caller, so I will be announcing you by the last four numbers of your phone number when I pick up your call. <clears throat> I think that our first topic is one that many in the education community have been discussing in recent weeks. That is superintendent caps and whether they are good or bad for education. This is one of those issues where those who are involved in public education, such as board members and school administrators, understand the issue differently than state politicians or even the general public does. To many in the general public, the governor's cap is, as he says, extraordinarily reasonable. It is based on school district enrollment, starting at 125000 for our smallest districts and ending at 175000 for districts between 6,500 and 10,000 students. Salaries that many in the community feel are more than adequate. There are also ways that the superintendent can exceed that salary with the merit pay bonus. But to many board members and others, there, there are other factors such as the duties the superintendent may take on or the regional cost living factors. The public hearings are all complete and we, are, we expect the regulations will be completely effective in February. Our guest this afternoon to discuss this is Ray Wiss, President of New Jersey School Boards Association. Ray, welcome. Thank you, Ray. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Um, as I said, you're the president of the New Jersey School Board Association, but before we get into the discussion, could you uh, please tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. As it uh, pertains to uh, Board of Education service, I was first elected to the Old Japan Elementary Board of Education in April of 1988 and served for approximately eight years followed by uh, serving for four years as mayor of my town, Old Japan. And since 2001, I've been a member of the Northern Valley Regional Board of Education. Uh, I've had an opportunity to serve on the uh, board of directors uh, representing Bergen County, and most recently in May of this year, became the association president. Okay, thanks, uh, Ray. 
so you have had experience in two different boards. You've also been a mayor, and I think that expertise will come in important in this discussion. Uh, I think, like most issues, most board members look at it locally. As Tip O'Neill once said, all politics, politics is local, and I think all government regulations are local too. How is it playing out locally uh, in your district? It's actually a very topical issue in my district, Ray. Um, we are presently going through a superintendent search uh, being conducted by uh, the School Boards Association. Our superintendent has announced an intention to retire in June of uh, this coming year. Uh, so uh, we are in the process of uh, soliciting candidates and anticipate having our initial uh, candidates pool a little later this month. Uh, but from our vantage point, we have an administrative structure that currently exceeds um, what is proposed in the regulation. So one of the impacts is that uh, internal candidates uh, are not available to us because our principals and our senior administrative staff are already making in excess of the threshold. So that in combination with the fact that in Bergen County, many of the superintendents from adjacent districts or the type of candidates that normally would be part of our pool uh, may, for economic reasons, not be included. Now, Ray, uh, I know you travel around uh, the state and within Bergen County. Have you heard of this a similar scenario playing out anywhere else? It's interesting, Ray, and I, and I think in your preliminary remarks you, uh, you in part covered this. Uh, it is an issue that has different import depending on the geography within the state. Uh, it, it has an issue that has resonance in Bergen County, uh, where probably by and large the salary structure is uh, in excess of other areas of the state. It seems that uh, Middlesex and North, it is more of an issue than South. Uh, it's obviously district by district dependent, uh, but depending on what your experience has been over the years uh, in terms of superintendent compensation, this is an issue that uh, either is important to you or not. If your structure obviously has always been less than the proposed threshold, uh, perhaps you're entitled to say, you know, what, what's the big fuss about this issue? Right, right. So it will, like most state regulations, play out differently in different districts. Well, I think that's right. And, and also, as uh, you had mentioned earlier, uh, the cost of living factor in different geographies, uh, to say nothing of the, uh, the variable responsibilities on a district-by-district -district basis, will shape a board member's perception of the issue. Uh, I just uh, realized that we have a few callers. Uh, before I get to the next question to uh, Ray, I will call on, uh, I have to know the phone number of this person. This will be Karen uh, from Morris County. Karen, hi. are you on, hi, the, you're on the air? Hi, I how am? are you doing? Say, how say are you? hi to the other Ray, too. Hi, Ray, how are uh, you? Hi, Karen, how are you? Congratulations. This is, very confused. this is very confusing to have two Rays as our first host of this show. <laughs> we'll have to work on that next time. Uh, Karen, what's your comment? Well, Ray, um, one of the points to consider is uh, what is the point of capping superintendent salary? Uh, if the point is to address property taxes in New Jersey, I believe that uh, capping superintendent salaries will, in fact, do exceedingly little to help in that regard. In our district, for example, if we eliminated the uh, superintendent salary completely, it would do very little to help us make up the $3.6 million that we lost in state aid. Um, I think that uh, you know, capping the superintendent salary is something that's sort of uh, 
uh, catchy. It's a wonderful strategy to excite people to focus on a common enemy, if you will. But in the meantime, uh, we're sort of ignoring the real problem of uh, a flawed funding formula, which is inherently unfair to the suburban districts. And at this point, it's really being ignored. Um, uh, Ray, you know Ray, do you want to comment? Yeah, I think Karen makes some good points. Uh, if, if one were to do a substantive analysis of the impact of the differential between existing superintendent salaries and that proposed by the regulation, uh, I think that it would prove Karen's point that substantively, in terms of controlling the budget or giving tax relief, it would have very little effect. So I, so I do agree that probably this is more symptomatic or emblematic of a frustration on the part of taxpayers with their overall tax bills and with the cost of public education. As a singular issue, um, this one will not impact very directly on our budgets. The second part that I would add is, and I've heard this critique in traveling around the state, is do we really need a cap within a cap? And, and by that I mean that recently legislation has been adopted that imposes a 2% tax levy cap, what's called a hard cap, on our budgets, so that if a school district pays a little more to a superintendent, that is a number in excess of the proposed regulation, that board knows that it has that much less in the way of money available for other programs. So having imposed an overall budget cap on us, is it necessary then to constrain particular line items, in this case a superintendent salary? And Karen, I would uh, add one uh point to Ray Wiss I had the opportunity to see the governor talk at a town hall meeting in your home county of Morris and he knows it's not a lot of money he said it's about 10 million dollars or less than 10 million dollars statewide but he feels you have to start somewhere um, to cut costs do you have another point Karen um, well yeah Ray I do getting back to the original point of what is the point of capping the superintendent salary <clears throat> it's a kind of ironic that the reason why superintendent salaries have uh, kind of spiraled upwards, if you will, uh, is uh, uh, due to the fact that some years ago the leg legislature, uh, in response to um, perhaps some indiscretions, decided to remove tenure from superintendents. And so what we have now is an unintended consequence of in essence, creating a free agency system. And so I, I use that example as a caution because whenever, you know, Trenton gets involved in education, we need to think of it as what are the unintended consequences. Uh, and, you know, again, the reason that I see superintendents became free agents is because they lost tenure as a result of uh, Trenton getting involved in education. Karen, okay, I, I would uh, add, uh, if, I, if I might, Ray, Karen, I would add that um, yesterday I had an opportunity to testify before the Senate Education Committee on the proposed legislation that would abolish statutory tenure for teachers in favor of uh, contractual or renewable tenure. And, and one of the focuses by most of the uh, educational representatives testifying was that compensation for teachers in the future needs to be tied to um, progress toward the educational goals and outcomes of a district. And part of that 
was that there will be an increasing role and an increasing importance of the role of a superintendent or senior administrators in evaluating teachers and evaluating progress toward district goals because that will be tied directly to whether there is ongoing employment and the rate of compensation for teachers. So uh, I, I think that it is a little bit of an anomaly to be talking about restrictions or caps on superintendent salaries, and there's been an indication that this is only the start, that other senior administrators will be next to be addressed. Uh, there's a bit of an anomaly between talking about those type of restrictions and an increased focus on the type of leadership services that they render. Karen, before I, uh, I have other callers, before I let you go, how, if you were searching for a superintendent, would this affect your district now in terms oh, of the absolutely. other administrators? Uh, not in terms of other administrators, but um, you know, right right now we just hired our superintendent. He has a five-year contract, but uh, we're we are already concerned about looking ahead uh, because we're so satisfied with the with the quality, competency, and leadership that our new superintendent has brought to Montville. Uh, so. Will it affect us in the future? Absolutely. We we could not get this kind of superintendent for the dollar amount that we would have to work with five years from now. Okay. Thank you, Karen. Uh, just hold on. I may come back to you. But I have a couple other callers to get to. Uh, before I do that, uh, Ray, um, you, New Jersey School Board Association did a survey on uh, – what board members thought of these regulations. And it was very interesting because it was pretty much a split, about just over 52% support, some type of control, not necessarily the governor's control or caps on the uh, on superintendent salaries, but 54% did believe that superintendent salaries were getting out of hand. Um, why do you think uh, some board members would support a cap on uh, superintendent salaries? I think part of it is uh, a realization that in order to maintain current staffing and current programs, uh, we're going to be in a very, very difficult environment, and, and particularly, as I mentioned before, in light of the 2% cap. Obviously, anything that provides some financial relief and gives a district more flexibility in terms of dollars then becomes all the more important. So if administrative salaries from the superintendent on down and if ultimately teacher salaries are modified or are reduced in some uh, way, or at least the escalation is controlled, that at least gives the district a better opportunity uh, to maintain its programs and, and hopefully to uh, achieve academic excellence. And, and I suppose the rationale to starting with the superintendents, and I, and I certainly don't mean to speak for the governor's office, is that this ultimately will have a trickle-down effect and that you start mm -hmm. at the top and that ultimately it will impact on the teacher's guides. And I think that our membership, uh, to the extent that members are behind this concept, it's because they view it as being much, much broader and ultimately may trickle down to the salary guides of the teachers. Yes, yeah, I would agree with you that some of them uh, believe in that. Um, and then the other ones who oppose it, I think, would probably, it, it's a local decision from their point of view. Well, as, as a policy matter, that is uh, perhaps more troubling uh, when viewed from an associational and a local board vantage point. Uh, anything that takes authority or power 
away from a local board of education obviously is is an element of loss of control uh and, and that goes back to the fact that once the overall budget cap is set uh i think that it's a local board's function to be the spokespersons for the priorities uh and aspirations of a school district uh and if those priorities and aspirations necessarily include a little bit more on the administrative salary line uh, then that should be something that a local board has the prerogative or flexibility to address, knowing that you're still not going to be able to, uh, to exceed your hard cap number. So I, I think the loss of control issue, Ray, is, uh, is somewhat problematic. Yes, and uh, particularly in some, the dis some districts I heard that are not really receiving any state aid on top of that. So they feel it's more, they should have more decisions on that. Yeah, and and my my district actually fits within that uh, uh, that picture. We not only had uh, uh, all of our state aid taken away from us, but as I say, our existing structure exceeds that which is proposed. Uh, and when you are talking about high achieving districts, in our case, it's two blue ribbon high schools. Uh, the notion of taking away the pillar of our educational leadership, uh, our superintendent, or at least causing us not to be able to search from among the same candidates that we have historically looked at, uh, that, is, that is at least troubling in terms of educational achievement and attainment. Okay, I have a caller. Uh, just for the other callers, if you want, us, want me to pick up your call, press 1 while you're holding on, and that gives me a signal that you want to comment. Uh, the caller, your last four digits is 0900, and you, you're on the air 0900. Can, can you give me your name and district? Ray, hi, this is Steve in uh, Verona. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good. I've uh, And, Ray, you and I have spoken a couple times. Yes, we have. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, our, um, uh, my personal view, I think, I think that my board's view uh, is that there's, there's two, uh, two, two main problems that, uh, w with uh, this <clears throat> regulation. One is, of course, philosophically, uh, it's, a, a big departure from the concept of uh, um, local uh, control or home rule, right? So, and uh, in this call, I was, I'm actually quite uh, uh, flabbergasted that the boards of education uh, in New Jersey would split 50-50 on uh, coming down on this, that, that some people think this is actually a, a good thing. Uh, Steve, on, on that on that limited point, it was actually very interesting. Uh, and, and as you know, on an association level, we have uh, attempted to implement more and more survey vehicles to try to assess the sentiment of membership. Um, but not only was the uh, the virtual split uh, a very interesting factor, but also the fact that it was so geographically oriented was also very interesting. Yeah, and then the the uh, the, the other um, <clears throat> uh, arena in which uh, I, I think my, my board, certainly me, would, would oppose this is from a practical standpoint. Uh, and I will just echo the uh, – um, maybe because we're in Essex County, so we're, we have comparable uh, uh, economics and, and demographics to Bergen County, right. that uh, I'll, I'll echo your points, Ray, earlier that the uh, – uh, and, and we're – we are uh, the uh, – in a, in a in an arena right now with our superintendent, where the, these dynamics are likely to uh, to play out, 
where I think the the market for principals is 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 higher than the what that capped superintendent salary is for a district our size. Uh, he, he would actually our superintendent would would be looking at a pay decrease at the end of his contract, and there are other dis and he and he's he's a he's a good superintendent. So why not uh, um, would a uh, uh, a district who that doesn't have these restrictions uh, is uh, would would not seek to find a what would be in their view would be an underpaid superintendent uh who's uh who's very good at his job so we're we're likely to become a stepping stone as a uh for the uh, the superintendent profession even more than we were before and to your point earlier Ray we have internal candidates who might not even be interested now because they say well, well why I can make more as a principal someday or as a uh, um uh, as another administrator, business administrator, or a curriculum director, or whatever. So, you know, so uh, Stephen, go ahead, right? Stephen, your situation—you're not at the top of, for lack of a term, the, the guide. You're not one of the hundred seventy-five thousand dollar districts. Uh, you have a great superintendent, but for him to, to keep the salary that he has, he has to move to a larger district just to stay at this a similar salary that he already has. Is that the scenario uh, that you will have district? by the? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he's probably above the uh, the cap now by a buck or two, uh, but then he he, he has a, a a long-term contract that's expected to grow. So at the end of his, so he'll get that. But at the end of the con- the way we understand the rules is that at the end of the contract, uh, he's got to um, go. Uh, he's, he's got to uh, harmonize with the cap. Uh, so if he's above that cap, he's got to take a pay cut. Uh, if he's below that cap, he then he has the opportunity to uh, to get a raise up to a certain point. Our, our particular guy would be contemplating a pay reduction um, <clears throat> at the end of his contract. Well, and and uh, to uh, and to address that in in terms of uh, of my situation, uh, were our superintendent not retiring, she would already be in excess of the proposed threshold. Our principals in our two high schools are likewise above that threshold, so you would be asking them to take a pay cut to achieve a promotion, which is illogical. And I think that the interesting thing is that the state, for many years, has regulated um, our overall administrative expenses and has told districts when they exceed the administrative threshold and they, and they do not. And we have consistently come within the parameters established by the state, notwithstanding what we pay our senior administrators. Yep, so uh, uh, so I'll just echo Karen's point also, is that uh, and within the, uh, so aside from the philosophical side, that, that to me I just find this um, <clears throat> objectionable, to, to, to put it uh, nicely, from a practical standpoint, wh- why, why, what are we, we're going to save $9.5 million statewide? It's preposterous to, to uh, uh to, to disrupt um, the the market, so to speak, of lo- of and again to the lo- lo- the idea of trying to s- do what's best for your kids by getting a good superintendent, because we it's it's something I've learned in the last seven years of being on a board of education. That's our, the most important decision we make is getting the right guy in the, uh, or gal in the superintendent seat, right? Everything else. We, we can end up uh, ahead of our skis, in front of our skis, really, knowing what we're doing. 
So that's the most important thing, and this is completely disruptive. All to save $9.5 million statewide? It's ridiculous. And my, my, okay. my last point is we're, we, we can sit on these phone con con uh, conferences and uh, commiserate, but what, what are we going to do? What's New Jersey school boards going to do? Well, and this uh, is... Could you hold on and let Ray answer that question? Uh, I have other callers, but uh, Ray, why don't you answer this question? Yeah, I, I think that these type of survey vehicles and these type of dialogues become important on that very topic, uh, developing an associational position. And this is one where um, it, it doesn't um, resonate statewide. So in terms of whether there is a single answer, uh, I don't know, you know whether there is or not, but I think that for those districts that are in the situation, Steve, that your district and my district finds itself in, we have to clearly position the association to explain to the powers that be uh, what the educational impact is and that in terms of the dollars and cents savings versus the educational impact, this is illogical. Yeah, uh, and Steve brought up a uh a point, and I probably would agree with him. I'm not sure if you do, but as a as a board member, one of the most important, if not the most important, decision he said was hiring the superintendent. And with that value, uh, do you think? And I know it's very early in the process, and we don't know. And I've talked to our field service department. What have you heard about the pool of candidates? How? Because that's the big concern that board members have: is will they be able to get the best and the brightest to be superintendents? Well, we should know in our district within the next few days. We're, we're just about uh, to receive the pool of candidates. So, so specifically, I don't have an answer. Uh, but, but logically, when you rule out our own internal candidates, when you rule out similarly positioned people in other districts that we would also consider uh, blue ribbon achieving districts, uh, when you know that the superintendent pool of those uh, those collateral districts. Uh, is already getting more than what the threshold is. I think logic tells you that your pool will be either smaller in size or will have a different background and experience than what you're used to seeing. And it could probably also play out um, for districts like Steve's that are not at the, you know, that are not between 6,500 and 10,000. Those districts might get a lot of candidates from the smaller districts, just from superintendents who are just trying to maintain a decent salary from their perspective and not drop too much. Well, and, and that will be a dilemma or at least a decision that, that boards will have to make. Uh, they may be looking at people who do not have the pedigree, the resume of the candidates that they would usually be evaluating and interviewing um, because those candidates may be priced out of a market that has a threshold. Uh, you know, the other question is now, are you getting into a situation where your pool is going to be much more um, from out-of-state candidates who may have already retired and pensioned out in other districts or other states and are, and are coming back into New Jersey? Um, I, I don't know. I think that that's a chapter yet to be told. Okay. I see another caller. Uh, the last four digits of your phone number are 8596. 8596, you're on the air. Hello? Well, I guess they're just listening. Okay. Uh, Ray, I want to go, uh, it's been brought up the market. I know the governor, uh, I saw him at a town hall, and he feels that while uh, Steve and 
had argued that there's a market value to the superintendents. He felt the market was kind of a rigged market within the administrators uh, because they could bounce around. Uh, whether that's true or not, that was, from Karen's point, that was an uh, unintended consequence of doing away with tenure for superintendents. What do you think might be an unintended consequence of this bill that the governor hasn't thought of or others? Well, the one, the one that I think I, I hear most about is the, uh, uh, the potential for significant number of retirements uh, that those superintendents that have existing contracts and, and whether they have you know two, three, four, or, or most of five years left on them uh, and therefore are grandfathered in or safeguarded may well remain in place. But anyone whose contract expires after this legislation or this regulation is, is put into place, um, I'm sure we'll have to think long and, and hard about whether he or she wants to renew while taking a significant salary cut. So uh, when we talk about a, a more limited or at least a different uh, candidate's pool, if the concern about significant number of resignations and retirements turns out to be true, uh, that will be all the more something that will be facing districts statewide. Okay, I see another call up there. Uh, the last four di four numbers are one one zero zero. You're on the air. One one zero zero. Well, I, I tried that one. Uh, Ray, you and I were at a. Bergen County School Board Association meeting not that long ago. Um, and one of the concerns I expressed to the group there was that um, I, I know how passionate they feel like Karen and Steve. I find it's a, probably a tough sell to the, your community and general public to defend the uh, to, to fight the superintendent caps. Um, do you think that it might have an impact on school budget elections, uh, school budget votes? Uh, the superintendent cap at districts have a superintendent who's making exceeding the cap? It's an interesting question, and, and I would um, fathom a guess that the, the governor's office believes that it, it well might. Uh, I, I think we would have to acknowledge that there is a general frustration uh, among our residents, uh, the community that supports our school budgets, about taxes in general, particularly in the soft economy, and, and obviously about the um, amount of a tax bill that is attributable to public education. And, and I think that that's a legitimate concern that people have. And there's no question that where the salary structure from top to bottom, that is from superintendent to teachers, um, brought down or reduced in some fashion, that that would provide economic or budgetary relief. It's a simple matter of dollars and cents. So to the extent that this particular issue, and we've already talked about the fact that it does not really have significant budgetary impact, but to the extent that this issue is emblematic or symptomatic of a greater frustration, it, it very well could be manifest uh, in the approval rate uh, of school budgets. And then that's an additional concern because obviously when budgets go down and are therefore further reduced, that doesn't help an already difficult situation where boards are struggling to maintain programs and to maintain staffing in the wake of the uh, the 2% cap. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, the caller now is back. I'm going to try on 1100. 1100, you're on the air. I don't know if this is me or not. 
Henry Pruitt, Englewood, New Jersey. Oh, yeah, uh, okay, you're on the air. I have three issues with this direction. First one is it does not adequately take into consideration the cost of living differences being near New York or near the southern part of the state. Second point is you could be tenured at a higher or similar salary at a lower position, like you could be an assistant superintendent and be tenured at a salary of very close to the cap, and why would you ever take a job that is putting you on the line without a long-term commitment for less money? Third one is it's primarily driven off of population, you know, driven off the district population. You have districts of similar size with very different challenges, so it may be very hard to attract someone to a tough district with all kinds of issues with bifurcation in the town and, and challenges uh, for the same money that they can get going to the next town that's already stellar without a lot of the challenges. So not having flexibility will hamper our board's ability to get the right candidate for the job. Ray, yeah, want, I, what was your name? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't get your name again. Henry Pruitt. Oh, yeah. Henry, okay. Uh, Ray, his point, particularly the last one, do you want to address that's a good point? Yeah, and I think the last one is a very, very telling point. It is a formula that assumes that school population is virtually the singular criteria in what compensation should be afforded to a superintendent. And I think Henry's point is well taken. Different districts have different challenges. They are differently positioned at any particular point in time and also have different responsibilities in terms of what is assigned to a superintendent. Um, all of those factors are essentially written out of this regulation, at least as I understand it. Uh, and uh, it, it almost gets back to the issue again of, of local control. If you believe, as I do, that the fundamental role of a local school board is to be the barometer of local priorities and aspirations and to implement those accordingly uh, when you are not allowed to take those local criteria and add them or consider them in the wake of what you're going to pay your chief school administrator. I think that does a disservice to the educational product. So I think Henry makes a very, very strong point on that. Yeah, I don't know if it's still on, but the... I applaud the governor's efforts to control costs, but simply capping one salary without the ability to control other variables that go into the district and not being able to attract talented folks is not going to help us improve education. Right, right. And, and, and I think that that is the key issue. I mean, we can all acknowledge that were everyone getting paid less, we would have more money to spend on programs or to provide tax relief. That's just a mathematical equation. Uh, but that doesn't mean that hard and fast line should be drawn that um, ignore really what's going on at a local district level. And, and after all, ultimately, we're all engaged in a process that is looking to achieve the highest educational attainment for our students. Uh, and, and I think you have to balance the quantitative, that is the dollars and cents, with the qualitative, that is the educational product that we're delivering. I'd like to go Henry's point, because from my experience working with districts, even if they all have 1,500 students, they have different demographics of the students, different building facility needs, different negotiation needs, and that's so the challenges will be different in different districts. 
I do believe, though, however, that the regulations do make accommodations if there's a high school or if you share a position. Not much, but they do make some adjustments for that. But not, Ray, they, 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 they do not make adjustments for if you're assuming several positions, do they? Like as a, if you're a BA superintendent or director of special services and the superintendent? Yeah, and we're, we're going to have the, probably those districts that have the, uh, the superintendent principal function. Uh, I, th I think that there are all sorts of, of permutations, and, and I suppose when you get formulaic, where everything is done according to a formula, uh, you get into that, that inevitable question of does one size really fit all? And I think that you know, we're all agreeing that that's not necessarily the case. All right. Uh, Henry, thanks a lot. Uh, I'm going to go to another caller now. Thank you, Henry. Uh, and uh, the one thing I'd like to uh, – I'm going to call back on Karen because she had mentioned a point about uh, the governor's concern that some districts uh, were trying to um, uh, renegotiate the contracts uh, before February. Uh, Karen, are you still there? Uh, I am, Ray. Um Specifically, I watched the video of the governor uh, giving an address to uh, an organization in Washington a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was uh, through an email from, I believe, uh, it was through an e uh, Eagle, an Eagle update. And basically, he said that uh, school board members were in a conspiracy with superintendents. Uh, to, you know, maintain the salaries that they currently have. And I have to tell you that as a, as a physician, I was offended at being called a conspirator. Um, as a school board member who works very hard for no pay, um, it was insulting to be to to hear someone say that I was in a conspiracy um, and he also referred to the suburban school districts as crazy so for the most part school board members are very hard working volunteers who gain nothing out of their positions uh except the satisfaction that they're the shepherds of a quality education to the best of their ability. And I was hoping that the New Jersey School Board would address the governor's comments uh, in, in calling school board members conspirators and calling the suburban districts crazy. Uh, uh, before you answer that, Ray, yeah, before you answer that, Ray uh, I uh, was at a town hall meeting in Morris County, and, the, and when the governor spoke, he also addressed this. Um, he felt he was naive uh, that when he put these regulations in, uh, or proposed regulations, that districts would renegotiate contracts before the regulations were in effect. Now, and I guess from his point of view, they're, they're in effect when he proposed them, uh, but I think legally they, they don't go into effect until February. So could you address, there's a couple of issues here with Karen's point. Yeah, I, I, a couple uh, issues do appear, Ray. I mean, one is uh, the difference between a, uh, a court of law and the court of public opinion. Uh, I think that the governor uh, and certainly his legal advisors would have to acknowledge that until the regulation is 
duly adopted and in place, uh, and presumably that will be a February effective date, as a matter of law, it is not a regulation that has any, uh, any teeth or that has to be adhered to. That's, that's different than saying, and I think that this is what the governor is counting on, uh, different than saying that in the court of public opinion, particularly where a superintendent's contract may not be in its last year, boards of education try to renegotiate a multi-year contract, that that might not enamor their voters. And I, and I think that that's the point that the governor is counting on in saying that. Uh, but in terms of the, uh, the legal efficacy, if the regulation isn't in effect, I can't see how boards can be required to adhere to a regulation that's not in effect. Now, as far as Karen's point on being a conspirator, uh, I, I think that to the extent that a board member or boards of education are discussing with their chief school administrator the responsibilities of his or her position and are having a dialogue in order to competently address what the compensation to be paid to the superintendent is, I would hardly consider that a conspiracy. I would consider that a good business practice. And that gets back to the notion of, uh, of home rule and control and local priorities that we talked about before. Uh, I would also add, uh, and it, it probably is somewhat related to Karen's question, keep in mind that this regulation has not proposed any grandfathering. And grandfathering may have been a way to soften the blow with respect to the structure of existing superintendents and what they're being paid. And that probably would have helped Steve in his situation. Uh, thank you, Karen. You can still hold on. Uh, that probably still would have helped Steve in his situation where he has, a, in his view, uh, a high-quality superintendent but who was forced to move on to a, a larger district if there was a grandfather clause. Yeah, and it's, a, and it's a good point, and particularly where the overall economic impact of this particular piece of legislation is relatively nominal in the scheme of things. Um, the grandfathering might have been a very, very helpful idea, uh, which gets us back to the notion that this is more uh, emblematic or symptomatic of a general feeling than it is a particular issue that is the cause or the driver for, uh, for increased costs. I would say that there are many other issues, uh, and that is unfunded mandates and, and the way special education is, is uh, being addressed that would be much more important to both controlling budgets and the tax relief than this particular issue. We only have a few minutes left, but uh, I just want to touch one more thing on Karen's point. Uh, there's an insinuation there that all board members are kind of in cahoots with the superintendent when, in fact, at least from my experience, uh, when I was a field service rep, I used to get a lot of phone calls from superintendents complaining, of, not complaining, having issues with their local school board members. Uh, is that something that uh, you would agree with, that it's not always that buddy-buddy system? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, it has to be a um, at times adversarial, at times collegial relationship. Uh, after all, a, a school board is, is like a, uh, a board of trustees or a board of directors uh, giving instructions to a uh, a chief operating officer as to priorities and also setting salary parameters and the like. And that's that's going to lead at times to some very healthy tension. Uh, so I don't think that uh, this is always a situation where uh, the two sides, if you will, are complicit with each other and are cozy. The fact that we may ultimately agree 
on what is appropriate compensation hardly makes the two sides conspirators. Okay, uh, we're coming to the end. Do you have any final thoughts in the, about 60 seconds or so? Well, Ray, I would only add you know, to our discussion, and I think it's been a good one, and hopefully we'll be of some guidance uh, to our, uh, our members, uh, and, and we would certainly welcome hearing from them even after this. Uh, but I think that this is an issue uh, where the association has to clarify its position. I don't think that those who are not impacted directly uh, necessarily are uh, in favor of this proposal. It's just that it is less impactful to them. Uh, and for those that it directly impacts, um, I, I think that we have an obligation to uh, get a focus not only on the quantitative analysis, but also the qualitative one. And I think that that's the key. Okay, thank you. Uh, that brings us to the end of our first show. And I'd like to thank uh, NJSBA President Ray Wiss. Ray, thanks. Thank you, Ray. Uh, our next show will be next Friday, December 17th, at the same time, 1, 1 p.m. The topic is changing the way we evaluate teachers, and our guest will be Brian Zakowski, the superintendent of New Brunswick, uh, North Brunswick, and the chair of the Governor's Education Effectiveness Task Force. Uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation, especially since I heard Ray testify on the tenure hearings uh, at, in the Senate. And I thank you for listening to NJSBA's blog, talk, radio show, and uh, New Jersey's Education Forum. And I hope you'll be able to join us next week. If you have any com, if you have any comments or suggestions, please email me Ray Penny at rpenny at njsba.org. And thank you for being with us. Ray, I'm here. You, okay, our show's over. Okay, so we're just you and I on the line now? I hope so. <laughs> no, no, I mean, yeah, I, it, it ended. went very well, and hopefully, you know, that this is the uh, the seed for uh, broader audiences in each of your ensuing shows, uh, and that people, uh, you know, find it an opportunity to uh, to sound off and be heard. Uh, I, I think it would have uh, been good had we heard from one or two people in the southern or western okay. part of the state who might have had a uh, a contrary vantage point because I would like to hear their insights. But uh, I, I think we did hear the the critiques were echoed multiple times, uh, and these are the things we've been hearing, both of us. Yeah, it was, I, I did have someone from area code 908, and I didn't pick up. So um, I wasn't really sure who that was. Yeah, but, but it's well, just been interesting to get that perspective because, as I say, I don't know that the fact that um, – uh, this issue doesn't resonate statewide is necessarily a function of people uh, outside of the North saying that it's a good idea. Uh, it may be that it's not a bad idea to them because it's not an impactful idea. Okay. Well, we'll see how how many people viewed it. Uh, I'm glad we had a few callers that I didn't know about. You know, Steve, I'm looking at Steve Spardell. I said, I know that number. I, I just I yep. couldn't remember who it was. Good. good. Well, he good. He'll call me after a blog every once in a while. I'll see my cell phone, and I said, okay, who is that? And so, all right. Thanks a lot, Ray. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Okay. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.